First of all, while we're talking to you, just turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, first of all, and I want you to turn over to a secondary place, and I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians 3. So 2 Corinthians 5 and then 1 Corinthians 3, if you'll turn to those places. 1 Corinthians 3, if you'll just put a bookmark there or something, and we'll go there in just a little while, and then we'll go back there a time or two during the course of the message. So tonight, after the service, all of our Vacation Bible School workers will be uh, passing out your shirts, your Vacation Bible School shirts tonight. And, uh, and so we hope that all of our VBS workers, of course, will be back in the service this evening. And uh, uh, the workers have got it all organized. It shouldn't take very long to get them dispersed. And so we'll give your shirts out tonight. If you, uh, if you can pay tonight, of course, we need you to pay. If you can pay, if you, if you can't pay, if there's no way that you can pay for your shirts tonight, we still want you to come. You'll get your shirts, and then you, uh, you, just, you pay when, uh, when you can. Also, we have a, a contest going today for the best decorated class. And so teachers, be sure that you have your fine uh, touches on your class before 5.30 this afternoon. And we have some judges that are going to be going around. They're going to be judging the classes, and we're giving away some prizes for the best decorated classes. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, after the service, just go back here in our educational wing. Both these doors take you to the same places. And these teachers have worked so hard, and they have decorated. Uh, their decorations back there are, are just incredible. And, uh, and so be sure you have the, the finishing touches on those before 5.30 today, teachers, if you would. And we would appreciate that very, very much. I hope you'll be in the service tonight. We have been for about three, four months now. We've been in a series on the Holy Spirit. Tonight, we're going we're gonna to divert from that just a little bit tonight. And uh, Lord willing, in just a few days, I'll be, uh, I'll be down in Mobile, Alabama for a few days. I'll be speaking six times while I'm down there. And, and, and uh, predominantly, I'm going to be speaking to leaders while I'm down there. And I thought, you know, uh, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea just to challenge our leaders. And, uh, and so I have a message that I'm going to be teaching in Mobile, but I want to teach that lesson. I'm going to start with y'all. I've never taught this. I've never preached it anywhere. Um, but I'm going to, so I'm going to challenge our leaders tonight. Now, all of you, if you're a part of our vacation Bible school, you're going to be leading in some, in some shape or fashion this week. And so I want to challenge all of our leadership tonight. So I hope you'll be back, and I hope everybody will be back tonight, and we'll look forward to a, a wonderful time in the Lord's house. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in your Bibles is where we're going to start tonight. And when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's all stand. Uh, it's great to, have, uh, great to have Dad back with us today. And uh, not only my dad, but I got my sister here today, and two, two of my nieces are here today, and we're glad to see them here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in your Bibles, we're going to begin in verse number 6, and I'm going to read down through verse number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and uh, verse number 6, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are present from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Look at verse 11. The Bible says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your 
consciences. And I want to talk to you just a little bit today. We, Of course, most of you know we have dubbed July as Biblical Prophecy Month. And, and so each Sunday, we're trying to take the opportunity to teach you a little bit about biblical prophecy. We've talked about the rapture, two Sundays we spent on the rapture of the church. And, um, and then uh, last week, we talked about the tribulation period. And so today, I want to switch gears, and I want to talk to you about the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. And so you may be seated this morning, we're going to pray, and we'll jump right into this Bible study, and I hope it'll be a help to you. And so let's go to the Lord right now. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the privilege to be here today. And uh, Lord, it's been a great service. Uh, Lord, this kind of service I want to be a part of. And I, and, and I, I am. I, Lord, I'm, I'm just glad to be a part. And Lord, I, I don't know about anybody else, but this service has encouraged me and it's, it's helped me. Lord, it's edified me. Lord, if we had the closing prayer right now and went home, it'd been well worth my coming. And so, Lord, I'm so thankful for the privilege to be here. And, Lord, I pray the music and the singing has prepared our hearts for what you have for us from your precious word. And, God, I pray that you will uh, help your word that you have magnified above your very name, the Bible says. I pray that you'd help the word of God to come alive in our hearts and our minds right now. Hide us behind the cross. And I pray that you fill us with the Spirit, and I pray that Jesus will receive honor and praise and glory from all that's done. May he, Lord, be worshiped today, and he alone. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Look again, if you will, at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. And Paul says to the church here, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, that word or words, judgment seat of Christ or judgment seat, may not and probably doesn't resonate with many of you that are under the sound of my voice today. Judgment seat, judgment seat. That's not a word that, that we would use a lot today in our vernacular, um, but I will tell you this, it definitely resonated with the people of that present day culture. When the apostle Paul wrote about the judgment seat of Christ, they instantaneously understood what Paul was talking to. They know, knew what he was referring to. The words judgment seat is translated from the Greek word bema or bema seat. Uh, and so you could, sort of, you, you could sort of read it like this, for we must all appear before the bema seat. We must all appear before the, before the bema of Christ. Now somebody says, Pastor, what was the bema? What does that mean, the, the bema or the bema seat of Christ? Well, the bema seat was an elevated platform where the judge would sit or the emperor or the king. Um, but we'll just use the word judge for the sake of this message. Uh, and the athletes, victorious athletes, would stand before the bema seat. And here, if you can picture it in your mind, the bema seat would be a, an, elevated, an elevated platform the king or the emperor or the judge would be seated up on the bema. And those athletes that were victorious in the race or maybe uh, those victorious gladiators or runners or wrestlers or whatever the case may be, if they won their competition, they would stand before the bema seat and they would receive a crown. Now, usually it was a, a crown of laurel leaves. Doesn't sound like much. But the, but the emperor or the judge would come down and he would take that crown of laurel leaves and he would, he would place it 
upon their head. And when he did that, it was saying this, that this person is the conqueror. This person is the victor. This person is the one that is deserving of reward. And so the Bema seat was a place of reward. But that word Bema is a very interesting term. It not only means a place of reward, but the word Bema is also used in the New Testament to refer to the place of judging. The Lord Jesus actually stood before a Bema. Pontius Pilate was on that Bema seat as he judged the Son of God. And so the judgment seat will be a place of reward. And the judgment seat will be a place of judgment. Now you say, Brother Steve, is that a big deal? Well, if you're here this morning and you're saved, it's a mighty big deal. Amen. It's a real big event. Yeah. And so I want to give you several thoughts, just three, just three thoughts today concerning the judgment seat of Christ or the bema seat of Christ. Number one is this. The judgment seat will immediately follow the rapture of the church. Now, we talked about that the last uh, few weeks, a couple of weeks ago, the, the rapture of the church is when the, the church is called away. But I believe this. I believe the judgment seat will immediately follow the rapture. So someone says, Pastor, when is this Bema seat? When is this judgment seat? When's it gonna happen? Well, we believe the next event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church, where the, where the church is called away. We are snatched away. That's what the word rapture means. The church is called away. And I believe this especially after what we have studied here at Calvary, I believe that, that, the, that the judgment seat will come immediately at the rapture. And you say, Pastor, why do you believe that? Well, because of what we studied two weeks ago. We believe this because all those who were given a heavenly vision predominantly witnessed a throne first. Now, we won't go back over that. I know that's review. But I do want you to at least, for the sake of those who weren't in the service, I want you to turn to the book of Revelation with me, if you will. Hold your place at 2 Corinthians 5, because we're going right back there, and we're going to be there a lot today. But I want to, again, I want to just hit this, this point home. Please hear me out. Uh, that, that before we see anything else in heaven, I believe we're going to see a throne, the throne of God. We're going to stand before the throne of God. Look at you at Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1. We understand that the Lord Jesus allowed the Apostle John to be caught up to heaven to receive that heavenly vision. And uh, Revelation 4 verse 1, we believe, is a type of the rapture of the church. And John says in Revelation 4 verse 1, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now look at verse number 2. John says, And immediately... And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Now we learned two weeks ago that that one seated on the throne is God, is God. And a little bit later, John sees the Lord Jesus Christ high and lifted up and seated on the right hand of that throne. But the first thing that John sees is a throne. We, uh, we won't go there today, but we took you over to Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, where the prophet Isaiah is given a heavenly revelation. And Isaiah gets to that word throne long before John does. In Isaiah 6 verse 1, he said, In the year that King Josiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And so every one of these people that were given a heavenly revelation, 
the first thing they mention is a throne. Not streets of gold, not gates of pearl, not a crystal river, not to all the wonders and the splendors of heaven, but this is what they said. As soon as I left this light and went to the next, the first thing I saw was a throne. Now, Calvary, I believe this. I believe heaven is going to be a wonderful place. I believe it's going to, you're, you're going to need a glorified body to withstand it. I mean, it's going to be that great. I mean, it's going to be that great. Uh, but I'm telling you, long before you walk on the street of gold and long before you see those pearly gates and long before uh, you see those angels and long before you see Moses and you see Elijah and you uh, see Timothy and you see the apostle Paul, long before you see any of those things, you and I, are going to pass before a throne. And on that throne is God himself. And so I believe this. I believe according to the word of God. I believe that, that, um, that the judgment seat will immediately follow the rapture. Now somebody says, Pastor, why? Why is that? Why does God, why do we have the rapture of the church and immediately we have the judgment seat of Christ? Why does God do it like that? Why doesn't God wait until maybe after the tribulation period, seven years? Why doesn't maybe God wait until the, 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 the thousand-year millennium is up and then he can do the, the judgment seat of Christ? And I got to thinking about that. Why is it that God would do the judgment seat of Christ immediately following the rapture? And boy, the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart. Can I tell you why I believe the Lord's gonna do it that way? Well, I wrote several things down here. Number one, I believe the judgment seat is going to convene immediately upon the rapture because or for the sake of the anticipation of God. The anticipation of God. Now you say, Pastor, anticipate. What are you talking about? This is why I believe the judgment seat of Christ is going to happen immediately following the rapture because God is excited about blessing his children. Oh, yes, good neighbor. Now I want you to take your Bibles, turn to several places with me, if you will. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, 1 Corinthians 2, and look at verse number 9. And I want to just show you several verses here that lend to what I'm teaching this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9. The Bible says, but as it is written, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, I know in this context, that's talking about the Bible. That's talking about scripture. But church, be that as it may, how many know this, that God has prepared some things for us? And I really believe this. You can't imagine it. You can't figure it out. You've never seen anything like it. You've never experienced anything like it. And I really believe this. God is excited. He is so excited about blessing you because you're his child that as soon as the rapture of the church takes place, the judgment seat of Christ is going to happen. Now, again, I want, we're going to do a little Bible study this morning. So I want you to turn to the book of Matthew and look at Matthew chapter 19 and look at verse number 29 with me this morning. Matthew 19 and verse number 29. Listen to what our Bible says. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Turn back just a few pages to Matthew chapter number seven. Matthew seven. And look at verse number 11 today. Matthew chapter seven and verse number 11. Look what the Lord tells us here. Matthew 7, verse 11. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. Look at this, look at this. How much more 
shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him. You don't have to turn. I'll just read this one for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. The Bible says this about the Lord. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. You say, Pastor, why is the rapture of the church going to take place right here and the very next event will be the judgment seat of Christ? And I believe this. I believe it's going to be because God loves you so much that he literally can't wait to bless you with things you can't even imagine. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That's not really hard to comprehend. That's not really hard to understand. Have you ever done this? Have you ever bought something really, really nice for one of your children and you just couldn't wait to give it to them? I'll tell you somebody who's real bad about that. And she's got red hair and she's sitting on the front row. And I won't mention any names. But I'm going to tell you what, we have not determined yet who's more excited about Christmas, the grandkids or Miss Tammy. And, uh, but I'm going to tell you what, man, she starts shopping and she starts getting all these gifts together. And man, our back bedroom starts filling up and, uh, and, and she'll say something like this. You know what? I think I'm just going to go ahead and give this to them. And I'm like, honey, no, you're not. It's not Christmas yet. I know, I know, but I can't wait. I can't wait. I mean, they're going to love it. They're going to love it. I'm, we're going to play together. And, uh, and I, I, just, I think I'm going to go ahead and give, it, I'm gonna give them a, a pre-Christmas present, you know. And, and, and literally, uh, I'm telling you, uh, if you, on Christmas morning, you can call our house, and I'll promise you, about 4 o'clock, we're up. We're up. And, man, she's up. I mean, she's getting things ready. And uh, she cannot wait. She can't wait. You know why? Because she's planned and she's prepared and she's laid up. And, uh, and man, she can't wait for those grandbabies to get there and, and tear those presents open. And, and she wants to bless them in a great, great way. Hey, can I? Oh, yeah. Can I remind you of something? That our Lord has been away preparing us a place for over 2,000 years. He said it in John chapter 14. I'm going. I'm going away. But he said, I'm going away to to prepare you a place that where I am, there you may be also. And by the way, in that place, he mentions mansions. And he says, one of these days, I'm coming back and I'm gonna receive you into that place. Hey, I'm telling you, God has blessings laid up for you. And I believe this. I believe one of the reasons that the judgment seat of Christ is gonna take place so soon after the rapture is because you have a God that can't wait to bless you. Man, that's worth getting saved over right there. Absolutely. We had some people, and we just had our grand opening down here at the Space Life Center a few weeks ago. And, and many of you went, went through the, the tour and saw the tour, and, and we had so many people. We had a team of people down there for months and months and months were working and working and fine-tuning, and, and uh, I, I mean, it's just it's incredible. I mean, it's just incredible uh, what they've done down there. And if you haven't seen it, man, you've missed it. I'm telling you, it's just, it's, it's absolutely, it, it's just, it's mind-blowing what they've done down there. And last week we had Brother Rusty Gewitt and his wife Rhonda, missionaries to Israel. And they were with us. And Brother Rusty said, preacher, if it's okay, we're gonna come in on Saturday night so we can be there Sunday morning. And I said, yes, yeah. I'll tell you what we'll do. I said, we'll just let you stay in our prophet chamber. You'll be the first missionary that stays in our prophet chamber. So I, I let some of our folks that have been working, 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 planning, building, cutting, sawing, cleaning, preparing. And I said, Hey, our first missionaries coming in, brother, you talk about excited. I mean, they were excited. In fact, they texted us and said, man, it's like Christmas day. I mean, it's like Christmas day. We can't wait. 
You know why that is? Because they had prepared and prepared and prepared and prepared and prepared. And they could not wait to unveil that to those missionaries. Listen, church, did you know that God said, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give good gifts to them that love, that love him? I'm telling you, one of these days, we are going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and it's going to be a place of reward. And so why? Why is the, and I believe this, I, the rapture of the church here, the judgment seats the next event. Why? Because of the anticipation of God. But I believe there's something else. Not only the anticipation of God, listen to this, and this is not a good one. Number two, I believe that the judgment seat of Christ is going to convene immediately after the rapture because of the aggravation of the Christian. The aggravation of the Christian. Now you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Keep in mind. Christians will not only gain rewards, but they will most certainly suffer loss. Now, I had you turn to 1 Corinthians 3 a while ago, and so flip over there, if you will, with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and look at verse number 13. So the Bema is a place of reward, but the Bema is also a place of judgment. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 13, the Bible says every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer what? Loss. He shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Do you know what I believe, church? I believe that when we finally stand before the Lord, man, when we finally stand before the Lord, we'll realize just how great he is. When we finally, now you don't know, and I don't either. We don't, we don't comprehend it. We don't get it. But I'm telling you, one of these days when we finally see him, when we finally see the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, and we see those nail scars in his hands and those nail scars in his feet and we, we behold his greatness and we behold his power and we behold his splendor. I really believe this. I believe we're gonna be so aggravated because we didn't do more. Man, I, church, I believe this. I believe one of these days when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, we're gonna say, man, oh man what was I thinking? What was I thinking? I mean, when we stand in his, in his presence and we think, man, I spent more time on the golf course than I did serving him. I spent more time at the racetrack than I did serving him. I spent more time doing my thing and other things than I did serving him. And I believe when we finally see his glory and we finally behold his grace, we'll say, oh God, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish a thousand times, a thousand times, a thousand times. I wish, I wish I'd have done more for him. Oh, yeah, and I'll tell you something else. I'll tell you something else. That aggravation will turn into shame. You say, Brother Pope, where did you get that from? How about 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28? The Bible says, Now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And so you say, Pastor, rapture the church here. Church is called away. Judgment seat right here. Why does it happen right after the rapture? Number one, because of the anticipation of God. 
God said, man, if you knew how many blessings I've got laid up for you. But also aggravation of the Christian. God knows. I really believe this. I believe God knows we're going to be ashamed. And so God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go ahead and get the bad out of the way. And that way they can enjoy eternity for the rest of eternity. We're going to go and get the shame and dismay and the wishing. Oh, I wish I'd have done more. Lord, I wish I'd have done more. I wish I had more crowns to cast at your feet. I wish I'd have took my Christian life more serious. I wish I'd have made God more of a priority. And I know, I know, there's people who call you cultish and people who say you're a Bible thumper and people who tell you that you're a holy roller and I mean, down there at Calvary Baptist Church, I mean, man, they take their, they take their salvation really seriously. Yeah, and you know why we take our salvation seriously? Because one of these days, we will stand before the Bema. We will stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And oh, we'll wish we'd have done more. And so, number one, the judgment seat will, be, will immediately follow the rapture. Number two, and I'll give you this quick, number two. The judgment seat of Christ will include only Christians. The judgment seat of Christ will include only Christians, all right? Flip back over to 2 Corinthians 5. I hope you held your place there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. You say, who's going to be at this judgment, pastor? Only the saved will be there. Only Christians. Only those that have believed in Christ, accepted him. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, look there, verse 10. Paul says, for we, for we, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that it done, whether it be good or bad. And so this passage in its context is speaking directly to the saved, not the lost. Look at verse number, look at verse number one, 2 Corinthians 5, verse one. He says in verse one, for we, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we, so Paul's talking to a specific group here, we have a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, verse two, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. Now you say, pastor, how do you know though that that's referring to only saved people? Well, look down at verse number five. And this is conclusive evidence. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 5, Paul says, Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing as God, who also, who also hath given unto us the, what does he give us? The earnest of the what? Of the Spirit. That is conclusive. That's saved people. You know why? Because unsaved people don't have the Spirit. Unsaved people don't have the Holy Ghost living inside of them. That's only for the saved. That's only for those that have accepted Christ as Savior. Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're given the earnest, a down payment that says this, I'm coming back to get you. You're mine. You, I own you. I possess you. And so we know that this is just talking about saved people. You say, well, pastor, if, if only saved people are going to be at the judgment seat of Christ, where are the lost people? And here's the, here's the answer to that. They are left behind. If the rapture of the church takes place right here and the judgment seat of Christ convenes immediately upon the rapture of the church, where are the lost people? They are left behind. And by the way, they're left behind on an earth that's getting ready to go into self-destruct mode. 
The Antichrist will come on the scene. War, famine, pestilence uh, will break out. The Bible clearly tells us, this is not something that preachers make up. The Bible clearly tells us it'll be a time like the world has never seen in its history. And so understand that the, that the judgment seat of Christ will immediately follow the rapture. The judgment seat of Christ will include only Christians, and I'm done. Number three, look at this. The judgment seat of Christ will not implicate sin. Now, uh, this is a good point, so hang in there with me on this one, all right? Take your Bibles and turn back to 2 Corinthians 5, if you're not there right now. 2 Corinthians 5, and look at verse number 18. The judgment seat of Christ will not, will not implicate sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 18, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Look at this, look at this. Not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The Bema seat will not be a judgment of sin. The Bema seat will be a judgment of works. And a judgment of motives, I believe. Why you did what you did. Why you worked. Why did you work? Why did you sing in the choir? Why did you help with the youth group? Why did you do what you did in Bible school or what you did around the church? Why did you do it? Did you do it to get a pat on the back? Did you do it to get your name in the bulletin? Did you do it so others would see you? Or did you do it for the glory of Jesus Christ? And the judgment seat will be a judgment of works. Now, you still have your place in 1 Corinthians 3? All right, flip right back over there. 1 Corinthians 3, look at verse number 15. Verse 13, second, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13. Look at the wording here. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by a fire. And so, boy, thank God for this note right here, church. I'm telling you, the judgment seat of Christ will not be a judgment of sin. It'll not be a judgment where sin is implicated in our lives. It'll be a judgment of works, what we've done for Christ, why we served, how we served. Man, were you passionate about serving Jesus? But thank God it will not be a judgment of sin. Now somebody says, okay, pastor, if the judgment seat of Christ is gonna be a judgment of works and not sin, why is our sins or why are our sins not judged at the judgment seat of Christ? And here's the great answer to that. Our sins have already been judged. You say, Brother Pope, what are you talking about? Our sins have already been judged. Thank God, Brother Mike, I'm not looking forward to my sins being judged. Thank God I look back to when my sins were judged. And they were judged, not in me, but thank God they were judged in the precious Son of God who bled and suffered and died to pay the penalty for my sin. Can I show it to you? Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, look at verse number 24. You understand I've got scripture after scripture after scripture and I'm just skipping over. I'm skipping over tons of scripture this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Oh, this is a great verse. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. The Bible says, who his own self, Jesus, bear our sins. 
in his own body on the tree. Come on now. That we being dead to sins. Well, somebody ought to shout right now. That we being dead to sin should live unto what? Unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Can I just read this for you? Hebrews 9, verse 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away his sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. How about 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21? For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now I want you to turn and we're going to be done. Turn over to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 and look at verse number 7 with me. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 7. Are you looking for a good memory verse? I'm about to give you one right now. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 7. Oh, yes. 1 Peter 2, verse 7. Look what he says. Unto you, therefore, which believe. He is, what's the word? Precious. precious. Unto you, therefore, which believe. He is, pre- hang on, you ain't got it yet. Hang on. Unto you, therefore, which believe. He is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Man, I came across that verse one time and I started studying out. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Is one of my memory verses. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. And I thought, yeah, Lord, you are. You are. You're precious. You're a precious Lord. You're a precious Savior. How many believe he's precious? But that's not what he means. That's not what it means. Now, he ought to be precious to you, but that's not what it means. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. So that word precious out in the Greek language, you know what it means? It means money paid. Money paid. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is money paid. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is money paid. Paid. Come on now. You ain't got it yet. You'll get this tomorrow at work. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is money paid. He is money paid. My wife and I, not long ago, we were in a, rest, in a restaurant. And we had a great meal. And the little waitress, she did a good job, but she, she never brought her ticket. Never brought her ticket. Never brought her ticket. And finally, I went to the waitress, and I, we were done. And I said, would you mind bringing us? Oh, God. I said, would you mind bringing us our ticket? And she said, it's already been paid. It's already been paid. Somebody, oh man, I'm telling you what, somebody else, somebody else has paid your debt and you're free to go. Come on now, church, I'm telling you. And I got some great news for you. The judgment seat of Christ is not gonna be a judgment of sin for me because thank God unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious, he is money paid. The debt has been paid. The debt has been settled. The ticket has been taken care of and all because of Jesus. Man, oh man, oh man. Wow, what a salvation. What a salvation we have. Hey, listen to this. Listen to this story. In 1988, Anissa Alea was 16 years old and diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia. The doctor said that if she did not receive a bone marrow transplant after chemotherapy and radiation treatment, that she would surely 
die. A bone marrow transplant from a matching donor was her best hope for survival. Neither her parents nor her brother was a match, and they could not find a donor elsewhere. Her parents, both in their 40s, conceived another child and hoped that its bone marrow would be compatible with Anissa's. To their great delight, it was determined that this new baby named Marissa was a compatible donor. And when Marissa, Alea, was only 14 months old, they took some of her marrow and gave it to her sister, Anissa. Anissa made a full recovery from the leukemia, and both sisters lead healthy lives today. In a very real sense, Marissa saved her sister's life. And this is what she said. Without me, man, oh man, I'm telling y'all, without me being a perfect match for my sister, she would not be here. Let me tell you something, church. You're looking at a miracle this morning. Let me tell you where I would be. Had a yes, come on now. Let me tell you where, where I would be. Had there not been a perfect match, let me tell you where I would be. I'd be on my way to a devil's hell. But thank God, God loved me so much. He gave his only perfect son and Jesus came and bled and suffered and died. And because of that, you're looking at a guy that's on his way to heaven. And so, judgment seat. We will stand before the bema. Before we walk on the streets of gold. Before we see that amazing crystal river. Before we see those foundations all garnished with precious stones. Before we experience that cloudless day, that new celestial air, that land of no more Alzheimer's, no more cancer, no more baby caskets, no more funeral processions. Before we experience all of that, we will stand before the throne at the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. I'm done. You can close your Bibles. I'm done. Interesting story. They said there's a cathedral located in Milan, Italy. And that cathedral is said to have triple entrances. All three of the arches there leading into that cathedral have an inscription etched into the wall. One of the side entrances has said this, and it has a beautiful wreath of roses inscribed in the rock, and, this, and it says this underneath, all that which pleases is but for a moment. At the other side entrance inscribed in that rock is a beautiful sculpture of a cross, and then these words, all that which troubles us is but for a moment. But in that central entrance to the main, to the, to the cathedral, these words are etched into the stone. That only is important, which is eternal. That only is important, which is eternal. I'm not against you watching the Super Bowl. Just don't watch the halftime game. But I, I want to tell you something. That's not eternal. I'm not against you hitting a little white ball around a pastor and trying to get it in a little hole. I do it sometimes. 
And I'm not against that, but I'm just telling you something. That's not eternal. I'm not against you having a good time with your family. I want you to. I'm not against you taking vacations. I'm not against you having hobbies. I'm not against you working around your house and making it look nice, but I'm just telling us this morning, that is not eternal. And one of these days, we will stand before the Bema seat, and we will answer for what we have done that is eternal. Would you bow your heads with us this morning? Here's the question. Are you ready for the Bema? Are you ready for the judgment seat? If the rapture of the church took place today and if the judgment seat convened immediately after the rapture of the church, are you ready? Are you ready? That's why we have church. We're here to try to help you get ready. Are you living for the eternal? Is Jesus a priority in your life? Now, you've got to work. I understand that. You've got to work. You've got to support your families. You've got to, you've got to eat. You've got to put food on the table and clothes on your back. I, I understand that. We all do. But are you investing in that which is eternal? That which is going to really matter when Jesus returns. Now our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a couple questions. Now I want you to really, I want you to think with me just for a moment. How many are here this morning would say, Pastor, if I died right now, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I know that I know that I'm on my way to heaven. Under you, therefore, it's believe he is precious. It's been paid. My penalty has been paid. There was a time in my life when I trusted Christ as my personal Savior. If that's you, without anybody looking just for a moment, if that's you, you just slip your hand up very quietly as a testimony. Thank you so much. You can lower your hands. That's wonderful, wonderful. Hey, husband, can I ask you a question? If you died right now, do you know for sure you go to heaven? Hey, dad, dad, if you died right now, do you know for sure that you go to heaven? Mom, how about you? If you died right this very moment, do you know that you know? that you'd go to heaven. Young person, are you ready for heaven? Are you ready to see the Lord? Are you ready? You're here this morning. You say, Brother Pope, I don't know. I just, you know what? I want to go. I want to go to heaven. I just don't know that I would go to heaven. If that's you and you care enough, you'd just say, Pastor, would you pray for me? And right now, you'd slip your hand up right now. Can I pray for you? I see that hand. Is there somebody else? Just raise it. And, and wave it at me because it's so easy to miss you in this crowd. Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. I see that little hand. Is there somebody else? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I see that hand. Somebody else? Anybody? Come on, let me pray for you today. Can I pray for you? I see those hands right there. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Anybody else? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. Amen. Amen. Yes. Would you do me a favor? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Personal workers, if you'll go ahead and slip out, make your way to the front. 
with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, child of God, are you ready for the judgment seat? Are you ready? Ready to stand before the king? Are you ready? You know, it could be there's somebody here today that says, Pastor, I, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. I know I do. I need to rededicate my life to Christ. If that's you, we're going to pause just for a little bit. I want you to come. Find a place around this altar and just do business with the Lord. If you're here this morning and you raised your hand and said, Pastor, I'm not sure about heaven. I'm not sure about heaven. I want you to, right now, if the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart, I want you to slip out and I want you to come. And we have some folks down here in the altar that have a Bible. And we're not going to make you give a speech. We're not going to make you do anything like that. We just like to take the Bible and show you how you can know Christ as personal Savior. And so I want to encourage you to come right now. Just You don't have to wait till I pray. You can just come on right now. If you raised your hand, if you raised your hand and said, Preacher, I need to be saved. I want you just to come. You say, Pastor, I'm, I'm scared, all right? Then I'll tell you what you do this. Why don't you ask the person beside you if they'll go with you? Would you go with me? Would you go with me? And I promise you, they'll go. They'll go with you. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessings. And I thank you for this message. Thank you, Lord, for teaching on the judgment seat of Christ. And God, thank you that our sins have been paid by the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be ready for the judgment seat. Help us to be ready. As one of these days, we will stand before the beamer. The Bible says that every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. God, those right now that don't know, that they know that they're on their way to heaven, I pray you'd give them courage and faith. Draw them to thyself. And I pray that they would come and let us take the Bible and show them how to be saved today. Help folks to rededicate their lives to the Lord. Maybe somebody has strayed. Maybe someone's walking afar from the things of the Lord. Maybe someone has gotten away from the perfect will of God for their life. And today they need to come home and get back in God's will. Then Lord, do something in their life, I pray, please. And we pray that Jesus receive glory from it all. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Folks, you're getting some help this morning. You're here this morning. Pastor, I don't know if I died. I don't know that I would go to heaven. Would you just slip out right now? Just make your way to one of these aisles and come. And we have somebody down here with the Bible who wants to talk to you about the Lord. Would you do that right now? Just slip out and come.